Hello, and welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday morning message. In our current series entitled Better, Pastor Rex Johnson will guide us through Scripture as we discover that we must let go of the good to grab hold of the better. Now, I would like to ask you something. I'd like to ask you something. Would you like to have a better last half of the year than the first half of the year? Let's just call this a little halftime speech here today, okay? A better last half. I'm going to speak today on this subject. Better is one day. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Better is one day. Now, how would you like your last half to be? Better financially? Better relationally? Better physically? There's a lot of people in this world, folks, that are pursuing what they call the good life. They're pursuing comfort. They're pursuing enjoyment. They're pursuing material things. But God has something called a better way. Indescribably better. Not just good, but better. So here's a phrase that I want you to grab a hold of. Put it on your refrigerator and look at it all this week. You must let go of the good in order to grab hold of the better. Say it with me. You've got to let go. Of the good in order to grab hold of the better. Because if you don't ever have your steak chargois skillet grilled, you never know what better is. I'm telling you right now with no uncertainty in my voice, God has got a better life for everybody in this house than the world could ever give you in its good life. Amen. Clap your hands to that. Clap your hands. Better is one day. Say better is one day. There's a beautiful passage of scripture in the book of Psalms chapter 84. And I want to read a little bit of it to you. Verse 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place. Isn't it great to be in the house of God today? O Lord Almighty. Then David said, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Then he jumps to verse 10 and he says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in tents of the wicked. Now, if you read your Bible and you see Psalms chapter 84, you understand that that was written to the sons of Korah. Now, if you don't know who Korah was, Korah was a man who rebelled against Moses in the wilderness and The earth evidently opened up. There was one more earthquake in the wilderness, and uh, it swallowed up Korah and his sons. Now, evidently there were some babies. There were some grandsons there that never were able to come into the presence of the Lord in the sanctuary again. And so David wrote this for them. He wrote it as a tribute to the sons of Korah. For better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And then he, would, he said, I would rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather be the lowest thing in the house, just somebody that lets people in and out of the house, than to dwell in tents of wickedness. But David didn't only write it for the sons of Korah. He also wrote it for himself. For David, folks, was the first in ten generations to be able to go into the presence of the Lord because his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, Judah, had sinned with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, And they had produced twins called Phares and Zerah. And they had sinned against God. And so because of that sin in the family, 
A family could not come into the presence of God for nine generations. It took ten generations, and David was that tenth generation. And so David was just thanking God. He said, I would rather spend one day in the presence of God. I'd rather spend one day in his house than to spend 10,000 outside of his house. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in that house than to dwell in tents of wickedness. I'm telling you, to David, God's house was an awesome thing. On this sixth day of July, why don't you clap your hands and say, God's house is still a good thing. It really is. I love his language. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Why would a soul yearn for the courts of the Lord? Because in the Old Testament, courts of the temple and courts of the tabernacle represented the presence of God. There was an outer court that even the Gentiles could come to, and everybody believed that God dwelt in the temple. And so if they wanted to feel the presence of God, they would come to that temple and they would feel the presence of God. But many people don't believe this. They think church is stiff. They think it's stuffy. They think it's boring. They think it's dull. They think it's sleep time. And even a lot of people have come to the office through the years and they have told me with no uncertainty, Pastor, I just flat out enjoy sinning. I don't want to go to church. I love sin. They love the nightlife. They love the party life. They love the drug life until it traps them. And then they can't get away from it. And that's when I come into their picture. And that's when I come in and say, you know, there's something better. There's something better. Many times a person, the world will get a person and they can't get free from it. And they can become trapped in the trauma. Let me tell you something. Sin will flat kick you down. It'll put a haymaker on you. You understand that? But I promise you, when you have that haymaker put on you, if you'll come to the better place, if you'll come to the better place, one day in his courts, hallelujah, is better than 10,000 anywhere else. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you walked in here with today. If you let God do what he wants to do, you can walk out of here better than you ever dreamed you could be when you came in. Because God is in the house. Hallelujah. Don't make me go to preaching up in here now. You know, sneezing feels good when it first takes place. But boy, when it snot comes out, it gets everywhere, doesn't it? That's kind of the way sin is. Just messes a lot of people up. The Bible said his ways are better than our ways. His love is better than life. Did you hear that? His love is better than life. His blessings are better than material possessions. You know why his life is better? Because when Jesus' life touches you, he gives you forgiveness like you've never known in your life. Anybody ever been forgiven by Jesus Christ? Let's go ahead and have a little church in here today. Anybody ever been forgiven by Jesus Christ? The Bible said he will take your sin and remove them as far as the east is from the west. Not north and south because there's poles there, but east and west. In other words, he'll, he'll throw them so far you'll never be able to remember them again. Because God does that. He's a forgiver. Amen. He's a forgiver. He's a forgiver. I'll tell you what else he'll do. He'll give you hope. He'll give you hope like you've never had in your life. How many of you ever understand that God is our hope? Come on, God is our hope. I'll tell you what else he'll give you. He'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
Not just joy, but unspeakable joy. He'll give you power. Power for what? Power to resist the world. Power to stand. Power to walk through anything. He'll give you power like you've never known in your life. You'll walk up and say, I can't make this. And God says, I'm right here with you, buddy. Let's go together. And you'll make it through anything. I've often said that with God, you can get through some things that you never get over. But during the time of trying to get through them, God says, let's go. Let's get through them. You may remember them for a long, long time and never really get over them. But God's give you the power to get through them here today. There's nothing that can hold a child of God back. Come on, stand on your feet in your spirit and say, there's nothing that can hold me back when I have God on my team. I have power in my life. Thank you. Thank you. He'll give you provision. But he'll also give you divine purpose. Say divine purpose. Well, there's nothing like the purpose that God gives us in our life. Hear me. I'm not saying you won't have problems. You're going to have problems. Man that's born of woman's but a few days and full of trouble. But I will declare to you, he'll give you light in a dark place. That's why Micah said, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall. He didn't say if I fall. He said, I'm going to fall. I'm going to make mistakes. But he said, don't rejoice. I'm going to get back up. You know the difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man? Righteous man gets up one more time, then he got knocked down. I'm here to declare to you, all of us are going to get knocked down. But don't rejoice when you see me fall. I'm going to get up again. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. He'll be that light. He'll give you peace in the storm. Sometimes God steals the storm. Sometimes he steals the soul in the storm. I tell you what I'd rather be. I'd rather be with Jesus in a boat in the middle of a storm than be on the shore without him. Amen? Amen? So, if one day is better with God, how do you have a day with God? How do you have a day with God? Is it Bible study? Is it prayer? Is that what it's about? Let me, let me, let me put something on the screen. You've got to live with an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence. Everybody say, ongoing, unending, awareness of God's presence. In other words, you've got to prioritize presence. Everybody say, prioritize. You're hipping me today. When you have the God factor, you see God everywhere. He's all day long. You never let the eternal slip by your spiritual radar. Because there's no such thing as a spiritual life and a normal life. I used to think when I'd get up in the morning and get my Bible, you know, and I'd start doing my meditation, I'd read Psalm 91 or 84 or Psalm. I love the Psalms. I love the Proverbs. And I'd read it, then I would pray my prayer. I think, okay, I got my spiritual behind me, and I'm going to go live normal. No, it doesn't work that way. In the Hebrew language, there is no word for spiritual. Everything is about the spirit. Ask Jesus one day, how's your spiritual life, Jesus? He'd say, what? How's my spiritual life? I'm here to do my father's business. What do you mean spiritual life? What I'm trying to say is labeling one area as spiritual and another area as not spiritual is not a good thing. Say everything to God is spiritual. Because we're spirit beings. The first thing God created was not your body. 
He made your spirit. We're made in his image. That image is the spirit image that God is. God is a spirit. And we're made in the image of God. Are you with me? We're made in the image of God. And then God created a body, nephish, to put the spirit in and we became a living soul. So all we are, folks, is a spirit with a soul bound in a body. And when the trumpet sounds or when we get called home, it's the spirit that goes back to God that gave it. And then one day these old bodies that's going to be worn out is going to join that spirit. Because God's interested in what's inside of us, not what's going on around us. And everything about us is about God. I'm going to teach you how to have one day. Everything to God is spiritual. See, God dwelt in temple courts. You had to go somewhere to be in the presence of God. Now, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God dwells in us. We have the court of the Lord in us. Living, breathing, inhaling, exhaling. Wow, that's exciting. If I wasn't so young, I might dance right now. So this is what God says. This is what the word says to Paul. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Really? You mean when I drive to work, I'm going to do this in the name of the Lord Jesus? You mean when I'm texting my mom? Yeah, I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord. You better. When I'm going to the store, when I'm studying for a chemistry exam, when I'm practicing for football, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because you've got to have an ongoing relationship with him all day long. And you can't wait till nighttime and watch an hour of TV, maybe watch a little soccer match and go to bed and say, now lay me down to sleep. It's not what it's about. It's about when you get up in the morning. It's about when you go to bed at night. Everything you do all day long is a God thing because God is spirit and God wants you to live in a spiritual realm in everything that you do. So I'm going to give you three little habits. Three little habits give you a poem and send you home. <laughs> that, will, that, that you've got to develop. You've got to begin to develop this. And you'll discover the better, the unending, ongoing relationship with God. Number one, you have to develop the habit of constant communication with God. Say constant, constant. communication with God. Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, be joyful always. Pray continually. One version says you've got to pray without ceasing. Now, I don't know about some of you people, and I'm fixed to confess something. But when I go to prayer, I'm a little ADD. And I can get a little ADHD. I can get a little hyper if I feel like my prayers are bouncing off that ceiling right there. But I can get a little ADD. When I go to prayer, I get on my knees, oh, God. And I say to myself, my God, tomorrow's trash day. <laughs> and I, I got to take out the trash. Lord. I get down to pray. I'll get it after a while. I'll get down to pray. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Lord, where's those papers that mama, we need for mama? Where's those papers at? Dear God, give me an answer right now. <laughs> oh, I, I'll, I'll think of that for a while. And I get back down to pray. And I start praying again. Oh, God, Brother Bill, Brother John's been sick and I hadn't checked on them. God, I hope they're all right. 
Lord Jesus, and I get to praying and everything in the world comes through my mind. Now, if you're that way, don't hold your hand up because we'll have a raid of hands going in the air right now. <laughs> Let me encourage you. You can develop a habit of constant communication with God. Let me teach you how. Because this little thing right here. Now, back when I was a young preacher, we didn't have this. Lord, I don't think I could have preached a sermon without this if I didn't have this. If I didn't have it back in the, if I'd have had it back here, I don't think I could have preached without it. Now, I leave mine at on, in my desk usually. But I want to bring it today because I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all take this in the bathroom with you? We have counselors. <laughs> Phone bathroom counselors that can help you through this crisis. If it matters to you, I take mine too. I'm going to be in that line to get counsel this week. But we're always, we don't ever want to be unavailable by phone. In fact, if we don't take this, we take probably a mini iPad. We take things in that because we want to be in con Because somebody might hit a post, I like that comment you made. <laughs> you know, they got phones now that can take water. You can take them in the shower now and just talk. Here's what I want to tell you. How many of y'all follow my Twitter? How many of y'all follow my Twitter? Well, my Lord, some of y'all need to sign up. <laughs> I say some decent things every now and then, not all the time, but decent. Amen. Most of the time I'm talking about sporting events or something, but every now and then I throw a little God nugget at you. How about them San Antonio Spurs? I thought I'd throw that out at you again this morning. Now. In 140 characters, you have to say something and get precise right now. You don't have all day. Well, I tell you what, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm just doing this and I'm eating some dinner. And after that, I'm going to take my boy to the batting cage. And after that, I'm going to run down here to Walmart. And after that, you can't do that. You have to sit in 140 characters. So what I'm trying to say, if you've got this text down, if you've got Twitter down, if you've got Facebook down, <laughs> Come on, if you got Instagram down, you know you can't write. Well, you can write it, but people aren't going to read a book. You got to get it said. I think it's important to understand that when you come into the presence of the Lord, you don't have to pray forever. You don't have to say something forever to get God's attention. You're driving down the road and a beautiful worship song comes on. You can say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You can have church in your car. You can have church in your house. You can have church in your office because God is going to be blessed no matter where you are because everything about God is spiritual and he wants you to have a day with him in your life. A day. Better is one day. Hey Amen. You can, you can go down the road and say, wow, I'm going to a new job today. Thank you, God, for the job that you provided for me today. That's, that's about 100 characters right there. You can, be, you can be driving down the road and say, God, I got a, I got a boss that's a blank. And, and you may say it in your car. We're not going to say it in the church here, but you may say it in your car. But, Lord, I need grace today. You know what? God hears that prayer. And what you're doing is you're building up your most precious 
of faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You're telling God in short burst, this is what I need to do. You need to have constant communication so that when you go through a crisis, you hadn't been a long time since you've talked to the Lord. You can talk to God every day. Come on, people, I'm trying to tell you how to pray. It's not kneeling down and being pharisaical and saying those long prayers. It's talking to God in burst and say, God, I'm on your team. Hallelujah. I've been washed in the blood. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. You may see somebody on your job and say they're down and out. God, use me to help those people today. And you know what? God will use you. And you're learning how to pray in constant communication with the Lord. Wow. Wow. You know, I write my wife. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I write her, but I write my wife. I miss her today. She's with our daughter. But I write my wife little old burst like, I love you, sweet pea. And I always close my stuff with love, comma, me. Don't you ever say love, comma, me to my wife. That's me. <laughs> but you know what? It doesn't take a flowery, poetic. It's just constant communication with my wife. It's constant communication with my family. Amen. That's how you learn, need to learn how to talk with God because before you know it, the day is spent and you've rejoiced and you've prayed continually and you lay down at night and say, Lord, we had a good day today because we've been talking all day long because everything you share with him is spiritual to him and it makes you live in a different world than what you're having to walk in in this life. Say amen to that. The second thing I want to share with you is a word called instant obedience. You've got to be instantly obedient. Instantly obedient. You know, when you see somebody and they're in need, they're in trouble, and God says you need to help them, you don't need to say, no, wait a minute, Lord, let's talk about that. You know, there was a time when I needed help and nobody helped me. Yeah, that's why you need to learn how to help somebody yourself right now. Because you do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not as they have done unto you. You do unto others. We want to be a Christian church. Are you with me? We want to be a Christian church. And so you need to obey instantly. I, 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 have, I have been in church before, and God has instructed me that somebody needs prayer. Somebody needs healing. And if I didn't listen to God, they might not have been healed at the end of a service. But they needed healing right now. And we have stood, and we've lifted our hands, and we've prayed the prayer of faith, and God has sent healing. God has sent deliverance. We must be instant in our obedience to Almighty God. I learned this lesson very well years ago. I was pastoring in South Oak Cliff in Dallas, Texas. And I was just a young man. I took the first church that I ever pastored when I was 25 years old. That was too young. I couldn't even spell pastor. I couldn't find a thought with a search warrant. I couldn't find anything. I was helpless, hopeless. All I had was a Crudence Concordance and a Thompson Reference Bible. And that's all I had. And... And, and, and I'd go to that pulpit many times. I would, just, I would just start preaching. Folks, we need God tonight. That's what we need. We need God tonight. We need God tonight. And God somehow would come on the scene and people get saved and people get baptized and people would be filled with the Spirit. And it was just an awesome thing. But I remember one day I, I started my day every morning with a shower and I'd get up. And I, went, I went and got in the shower and the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. Now, it didn't sound like James Earl Jones in that voice, but the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I want you to go witness my grace and my glory to T. Cullen Davis. Now, many of you don't know who that is. That's as, as a man that was real popular back in the 70s. 
because he had, was up for murder. He was up for murder and murdering his wife's boyfriend and somebody else at his house, and he got off. My daddy went to work for T. Cullen Davis when he, was, when he left sharecropping. My dad went to work for him. And, and, and he thought T. Cullen was the greatest man because he had given my dad the first great, great job that he ever had. And, and he said, son, that, that man's innocent. He wouldn't do that. And I said, dad, I have to disagree with you. He's, he's probably guilty. And, and wouldn't you know that the Lord spoke to me in a shower after T. Cullen Davis got set free from that murder charge. God set me up to go tell him about Jesus. And I, and, I, and I started arguing with God. I, started, I said, God, I, I, I can't do that. I said, I'm just 27 years old. I, I can't do that, God. I can't go and tell somebody. He's, he's a big-time man. He's a multi-billionaire. I can't go witness to him. And God said, I've set him up. His heart's ready. Go tell him I love him. Amen. And I said, God, I can't. I just can't do it. You're going to have to get somebody else. Well, I should never have said that. Because the next morning I got back in the shower and the Lord said, are you going to go? Are you going to go? Are you going to go? And I said, no, no, Lord, don't think I am. And he said, I've set him up. I've got him ready for you. And there was a housekeeper that was a spirit-filled girl. And his wife was a member of the Assembly of God Church. And, 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 and my daddy had worked for him and he loved my daddy. And I was Wendell's boy and I could have went over there and told him about Jesus and probably got him got him to, to come to the Lord in his life. And, but no, I didn't do it. I did not do it. And the next morning, so help me, the Dallas Morning News came and was thrown in our front yard and I went and picked it up. And one of the headlines was, T. Cullen Davis finds Jesus. I'm not even going to tell you who the guy was, but he's a great, great, great minister today. And that was his launching pad to become great in the ministry because he listened to God and went and knocked on T. Cullen's door. And T. Cullen didn't know him no more than he knew me, but he was ready for the Lord in his life. I promise God, I promise God that if it ever came to me again, I promise God if that ever happened to me again, that I would never, ever not respond to the pleading of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you right now, if I feel that I need to go help some homeless person, I'll get out there. Our church does it. But if I feel like I need to go pray for somebody, I'm going to walk in and say, God has sent me to pray because I'm going to be instantly obedient to the Spirit because one day is better than all the days outside the presence of God. Hear me. We've got what the world wants. They need this Jesus that we preach in this house. They need him, and we've got him. Let's share him everywhere we go. The Bible says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. There's a beautiful story in the book of Exodus about some Israelites that were asked to go to war and conquer an enemy one day. And they said, no, let's wait till tomorrow. And they waited till tomorrow and they were defeated. Because when God says it's time, it's time. And what God is saying is, I want you to understand my courts. I want you to have constant communication with me. I want you to be instantly obedient to what I have you to do. And I want you to help this world and bless this world because I'm going to send you forth. Clap your hands and say amen to that right now. The third thing, and I close today, is not only do you need communication with him, 
Not only do you need to have instant obedience to him, you need to have a daily desperation for God. David said, my soul yearns. It even faints for your presence. I want to ask you a question. Why don't we desperately, why don't we desperately need God today? It's because we develop a taste for what we eat all the time. How many remember when you didn't like spinach? Oh, so we got some people next Sunday is telling the truth Sunday. (laughs) Mama made me sit one time at the table and wouldn't let me leave and go play football and go out and run with my buddies till I ate a bite of spinach. I had the greatest gag reflex you ever seen in your life. (laughs) I said, I will never eat it. I will never eat it. I will never eat this. I will have ice cream in my refrigerator, but I'll never eat spinach. And then she put some asparagus on me and cauliflower and broccoli. Lord God, I thought I was being persecuted. I thought I was in a penal institution. You know what I get when I go to, when I go to Bartlett's now? You know what the first thing I get? I get that spinach dip. And I tell everybody, get your hands off of it. This is mine. Isn't it amazing what we eat, we acquire a taste for? So I want to ask you today, what are you, what are you eating on? What's eating on you? Do you want more of God in your life? Do you want his presence in your life? Do you want this God factor in your life? Do you want to spend a day? Because once you start spending a day with him, you'll start spending a week with him. Then you'll start spending a month with him. And before you know it, you'll spend a year with him. And before you know it, you're doing life with Almighty God. And that's the joy of what I'm preaching about today. I'm just trying to get you to have one day, just one day. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day. The Bible said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm says, oh God, you're my God. I'm going to seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. Wow. My lips will glorify you. My lips will glorify you. Many of you know my story. I don't try to just drive it down your throat. I don't try to preach it. In 1981, I lost my wife and my son to a tragic accident to a drunk driver that hit them and killed my 26-year-old wife and four-year-old boy. And uh, it was on a Friday, March 1981. And I, I woke up the next morning and I I said, I know what I'm going to do. The only thing I know to do is go to church. Because that's what, that's what I do. And I went, and I didn't take anybody with me. It wasn't for show. It wasn't for anything. I just had to, 
I just had to get desperate. I had to say, God, wow. I don't know how to get out of this except you. And I walked in the back of that church, South Oak Cliff. And I walked down to the front of the church. And I knelt right in front of the platform, right in front of the pulpit, right in front of the lectern. And I knelt down. I lifted up my head. Nobody was there. And I said, God, if you don't show up today, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because I have spent my whole life making you my Lord. Not just Savior, but my Lord. What am I going to do? Guess what? He showed up. And all those tears painted my face and sobs shook my soul. And although I was a mess when I left that church that day, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I wasn't walking out of that church by myself. He was with me. And I don't know when David wrote this. I don't know when he wrote that psalm, but my soul desperately longs. Desperately longs for your house. I don't know exactly what time it was, but I guarantee it was when David was going through one of the toughest times of his life. And he said, you know what I need? I need your presence. And when he walked in and he felt those presence of God, he said, yeah, I got it now. Better is one day. Better is one day in your house. And I'm the king of all of Israel, but better is one day in your house than a thousand anywhere else in this world. Because your presence means more to me than anything that the world could ever give to me. I'm talking to you today. I'm just giving you my soul today. Rudyard Kipling was a great, great writer. He was sick and on his deathbed. And a nurse came in and said, Mr. Kipling, we want to give you anything you want, anything you want to make you comfortable. I said, do you need some food? Do you need friends? Do you need, what do you need? Do you need more cover? Do you need, what do you need to make you comfortable? He looked at her and he said three words. He said, I need God. I need God. Wow. I don't know how to tell you any better. That God is your refuge. God is your strength. God is your strong tower. God is your help. God is your might. God is your power. God is everything to us. We must have Him in our life. And if I can get you to have one day with Him today, I might get you to have a week with Him and then a month with Him. And then give your whole life to Him for the rest of your days. What it's about. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.